0: And welcome to a uh, bonus episode of All Against All. Uh, I'm Don Rhodes, and I'm joined by Sofia Rivera from Santiago, Chile. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm happy to discuss everything that's been going on here um, because I'm not sure how it's been covered, you know, internationally. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: No, of course. Um, I, I don't know how it's being covered in Australia other than from what Ben, my podcast host, Uh, has Mm -hmm. been saying and uh, I think in Australia honestly it's gotten extremely little coverage which is uh, Mm. which is extremely unfortunate but um, yeah that that was true of Ecuador and that was true uh, that's been true of a lot of things so um, firstly I think we should start uh, introduce what we're actually talking about um, Mm -hmm. which is um, obviously the uh, so in Chile at the moment there are there are giant protests going on Mm -hmm. they've been going on for Around uh, what, three weeks, two weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, almost yeah. three weeks. The more intense yeah. kind of form.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, they've ostensibly started the the ostensible spark. It seems was a uh, a fair increase in the um, in the uh, for the the metro. But do you want to mm-hmm. talk about about that and and that spark? Just sort of to start with, and sort of the just sort of the immediate. Uh, theme, like what's happening at the moment?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So early October, uh, they announced that they were going to increase the bus and subway fare Mm -hmm. and kind of in the case, because it varies if you're a student um, past a certain age, but the standard adult like ticket during peak hours was going to rise by 30 pesos, which is Um, around four cents and then bring it up to what would be kind of a dollar and 14 cents um, from 800 pesos to 830. So it's very clear that like this can be easily framed as kind of a very modest and harmless increase Um, Mm -hmm. but it's actually very substantial in both objective and symbolic terms and why and that's why it kind of acted as a spark Um, because if you think about what the minimum wages in Chile it's around 300,000 pesos so Mm -hmm. the the increase would raise what an average person like would have to pay for the subway in a month from kind of 48,000 pesos to 50 almost 50,000 and I think what that brought into like stark relief was that people if they were making minimum wage they Mm -hmm. were being forced to use like a sixth of that salary which is very low already all for transportation which is crazy
2: yeah
1: and yeah. because yeah that's like 300,000 pesos but like 50% of Chileans make less than 400,000 pesos so this is so for them it would be an eighth you know yes um it's kind of a very so it's not just about the increase it's about what the price already was and also The conditions of the transportation like Mm. spending long hours and then in very packed conditions so that was um but it also um this increase also like served to bring into relief like other deficiencies in the Mm. chilean model things that people had already been criticizing and demanding change whether it was a pension system poor health care the educational system so kind of people react angrily to the fact that they are being forced to pay even more for a subway and bus system while they see very little improvement in other realms of their lives. Yeah. Um, so it kind of they linked it to other issues and kind of expanded it from this very specific uh, change. But then it was also exacerbated by the fact they saw a government that just seemed, which is the government right now with um, President Sebastián Piñera, conservative, right wing. And just in the way they handled the increase, they showed like such an intense disconnect from how it actually affected people. They made several statements that people got very angry about. Like one minister said, oh, by the way, the price of flowers has decreased. So like Mm. maybe you can now like buy more flowers. And then another one said just like wake up earlier so you don't have to like use it during peak times and like the increase doesn't affect you that much for people that are already waking up super early.
0: It's um, um it's uh, actually, it strikes me as remarkably similar to some stuff that we heard in Australia a few years ago from a treasurer that we had called Joe Hockey, um, mm-hmm. who was asked, um, who when was asked about an increase you know, in the, in the petrol tax was said, Oh, well, that's okay because the poorest people don't drive. Um, um, and yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. it, it, it's just nice to know that conser- that conservatives are the same uh, are kind of the same <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways all around the world. Um, yeah. but, 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 so, but this this sparked like a huge a huge mm-hmm. uh, outpouring into the streets. Um, so what's what's that been like and where's that kind of up to?
1: Yeah, so it so it did just start as kind of a fair evasion movement where they would kind of set times like meet at this station and then mm. a mass of people would jump over the turnstiles and not pay.
0: And this was mostly
1: led by school age students, like high school students, which kind of shows the fact this was like pointing at something deeper because it wasn't their fares that were really affected. They still paid a very low one, but they were always seen as like leading this movement because they understood it affected their parents. They understood it echoed other inequalities. Um, and then it, this like kind of fare evasion thing was very smooth. It started Monday, October 14th. Mm-hmm. And for a few days, it would like happen every day. It happened very smoothly. There was like very little to no like destruction of anything. And then Friday, October 18th, kind of like Chile woke up to find hordes of police just in the stations. Oh, which, wow. yeah, which is even beyond the before they start repressing is kind of like a very violent image in itself, mm-hmm. um, especially for a country like Chile that has. Because of the dictatorship, such a past of like repression by security mm-hmm. forces, um, and which kind of ties to what I see as like an ongoing theme of kind of re-traumatizing a society that dealt with very traumatic um, forms of repression, mm-hmm. and then the police started acting in a very repressive way, and it, the reaction started getting out of hand with like, it escalated into violence by the protesters fires, like destruction and looting that same night of Friday. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because me and my family went to watch the Joker that day. And we were like on our way there. We saw the traffic was kind of like fucked up. So we were like, okay, I think we think something's going on. We are hearing the news. But then we went inside to watch the movie. And then we come out and like it's been announced that the subway has been shut down, that there's fires in several stations so it kind of like mirrored exactly what was happening in the movie
2: mm-hmm. and then uh,
1: <laughs> that would <be> yeah. <laughs> it was crazy and then so that's kind of what when there was a big turning point and mm-hmm. then that night the president declared a state of constitutional exception um which is like a state of emergency where they can actually like set a curfew and they can also it also allows the military to come out into the streets yeah yeah so and that's also what i was saying like re-traumatizing like a a curfew had been in place for most of the dictatorship and then it hadn't happened since we came back to democracy around 30 years so having that imposed on people again and also seeing the armed forces on the streets so then like it moved from this yeah pretty big Kind of moment of violence looting into an even bigger movement that I, it's what we have kind of seen since then. So, a combination of massive, like, peaceful protests along with more violent actions mm-hmm. by, like, smaller but still significant groups. And yeah, it's been several weeks of this and just like a combination of both, and both doing a kind of a criticism of both Piñeras right-wing conservative government, but also the previous kind of establishment center-left governments. Mm -hmm. And and it was very interesting, because in the first few days of the state of emergency, which, so the curfew lasted from October 19th to October 26th, and the state of emergency ended a day after that. So it's, like, it was around a week. Mm -hmm. And during this time, you would see protests, like, in all kinds of neighborhoods, very poor neighborhoods, but also very wealthy ones, which mm-hmm. kind of showed that this was a discontent that had hit all, you know, socioeconomic classes. Mm-hmm. And and in the years before you would see we had a student movement, we've had protests against the pension system. Like there have been very pro- uh, very different types of protests, but you would always see them concentrated in this very iconic like square called mm-hmm. Plaza Italia which is by uh, one of the more central um, subway stations. And mm-hmm. it would always start there and then people would march all the way to the presidential palace. So that was kind of where you would see the protests concentrate. But then what we saw during this state of emergency was protests in like the wealthiest neighborhoods and the poorest, mm-hmm. and it just, it was a very like kind of concrete vision of, of that something that had to hit that all of, like Chilean society yeah. Was involved in, yeah, yeah. It's continued up till now um, with kind of some poor handling by the government.
0: Yeah. So, so the the protests are they the same size as they previously were, or are they like sort of petering out? uh, What's the?
1: They yeah. So, I would say it started the first few days very like violent, smaller. Then they kind of took off during the state of emergency, and then we had it was. I think Friday the twenty, Friday the twenty-fifth um, mm-hmm. of October. So like, how long is that? Like almost two weeks ago.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, that was the biggest protest. So it was the like around a million two hundred people, mm-hmm. like gathered in this in this um, square I mentioned, and so that was like the biggest protest there has ever been in Chile since the st- since the end of the dictatorship. And just huge in general terms. Also, because this has like spread throughout the country, so you saw equivalent protests in other regions.
0: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: so that would be, I think, like its peak, like mm-hmm. level of participation. And since then, protests have continued like consistently, like every single day, a good amount of people in 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 this area. But I do think that they're becoming a little smaller. Like people are are getting tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but What I do see is that there's kind of a parallel thing of, um, like, social organizations trying to, like, structure the movement a little Mm -hmm. more, like the National Workers Union. And also, I think they're currently thinking of new ways to, like, new tactics or new ways to, like, maintain people, energized. like they just declared a national strike for Tuesday. So I think things like that will keep it having these like very massive participation moments but in between i still see people very being very energized and also leading parallel things like um they're called cabildos which are kind of like citizen-led meetings that are organized um in different geographically by like all this neighborhood or also by group like a feminist Mm cabildo. and there have been um, a ton of those there have been over 300 in all regions, in many neighborhoods, and over 10,000 people have participated. So Mm. parallel to protests that may be at moments seem like they're dying down, there's a lot of new initiatives. Um, Mm. But yeah, some of the, I I hope that in other moments like that Tuesday upcoming national strike, there Mm. will be another instance of very intense participation.
0: And um, just to uh, so the, and the arm is the army still on the street or are they or are they have they been recalled to the barracks?
1: Yeah. So yeah, thankfully they they're no longer on the streets. That ended with with the state of emergency ending about a week um, after it was declared. So yeah, no more military, which is which is good because I mean it's just like yeah. having them there. It's very scary, but also like they're not used to doing the type of crowd control that police do and like dealing with a kind of provocation that police sometimes have to deal with. And also even their like their equipment, they don't have, I don't know, the barriers like police usually have or the or like the weapons that are used more for crowd control. So when they mm. decide to act, it's usually much more brutally. Yeah. But but that hasn't really changed the levels of repression. The police are being very violent. Mm. So even though it's good that the military has been kind of called back um, the police are still being very, yeah, very intense.
0: And um, yeah, that sounds awful. Um, mm-hmm. But the um, just to like to bring it back to um, one of the slogans, Well, so there's been two slogans that have really like I don't know, given me a combination of hope uh, and like inspiration from these protests. Um, mm-hmm. The first is um, it's not about thirty pesos; it's about thirty years. I don't know if I'm translating that correctly. Um, yeah. and the, and the second is neoliberalism was born here. Neoliberalism will die here. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, Chile re- like, I think has been, um, I think like, you know, there's obviously neoliberalism is a complex system and, you know, it, it doesn't, re- it doesn't have a, a true birthplace, but uh, if, if it was going to have a birthplace, you probably would put it at Chile. Um, and, um, I, I just wondered if you want to talk about, um. You know where this sort of slogan comes from and uh you know how it relates to the the, the coup back in 1973 and the sort of continued uh, military and police repression that Chile's seen over the last uh, what 40, 40 years
1: mm-hmm. yeah no definitely those slogans they developed pretty early on mm-hmm. um and it, it, that just shows that since the story it was like yes this is about fair a fair increase but it very quickly without very it wasn't like people went out there to like new shows and started explaining people like immediately understood where they were coming from with those Mm -hmm. slogans and the first the like neoliberal was born neoliberalism was born here it yeah it has to do with chile's like very dramatic kind of recent history where um salvador allende who was a democratic socialist and he became the first Marxist to be democratically elected in 1970 in in the world, mm-hmm. um, his like socialist reforms and policies were unfortunately like not allowed to develop naturally. And although you could say this about most political projects, like interference was pretty extreme, both in terms of like fear mongering by the business class mm-hmm. and conservative factions, but by also by actions by the U.S. like cutting off all aid. And then, mm. of course, most intensely, in this culminated in the U.S.-backed military coup of 1973,
0: which September like, led, 11, I believe.
1: Yeah, September 11. <laughs> it's a shitty date, yeah.
0: um,
1: in many ways. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it led to like his death by suicide. And then it also brought um, military general Augusto Pinochet to power, mm. who would lead a military dictatorship for 17 years, which. Um, had a lot of torture, massive disappearances, imprisonments, mm-hmm. hunger, fiscal mm-hmm. fraud, censorship, surveillance, and just in general, a lot of repression. And it was it was guided basically by the economic guidance of this group of e- um, economists that were known as the Chicago Boys,
2: mm-hmm.
1: were Chilean economists that studied in New Chicago under under Milton Friedman. <laughs> so basically, they kind of convinced Pinochet to turn Chile into basically a neoliberal experiment unilaterally and of course undemocratically. And he and his government implemented uh, several policies that basically fueled the incorporation of the free market into basically all systems of right provisions. So education, healthcare, pensions, nationalizing mm-hmm. even like water, which I think Chile might be the only country where um, the water is nationalized. I mean, sorry, privatized. Yeah. And and just in general, pushing the state to take on a subsidiary role, which is basically will come in and help when we're needed, but the private sector should be able to take care of everything. And it just yeah. drastically reduced the pu- public responsibilities in all of these realms. Yeah. Um, um, what was uh, mm-hmm.
0: this is going to be a, a very uh, leading question, but what was the effect on the on the population at that time? Um, were you know was there was there just like i'm I'm guessing there was a pretty in- big increase in poverty and and uh, deprivation, um, or did the u s. just kind of try and spike the whole thing with with a whole bunch of aid?
1: Um, no, yeah, definitely. there was a lot of continued u s. intervention and and just like the growth that you supposedly saw, which many yep. people like frame as the Chilean miracle. Mm-hmm. Like it proved very inconsistent like in uh, the 1983 crisis shows and then also in general like the economic growth it has led since then has been deeply unequal so yeah a lot of poverty mm-hmm. and and it just like laid, it laid the foundations for the present system of mm-hmm. yeah, education, health and pensions which just provides highly undignified coverage for mm-hmm. most of society and just pushes the burden of, of financing things that we should all have ac- easy, you know, access to, like education mm. upon the families. Mm. Um so yeah, Chile became kind of this like just ground zero for implementing any neoliberal policy you could think of. And mm. and then once we finally got to the transition point, um to the end of the dictatorship,
0: yeah. um
1: Chile mm-hmm,
0: can, we, can you talk about uh, this? Is something I'm actually very unclear on. What was the what was the process of transition from dictatorship to to the current system? Um, I like all I know is that I know that Pinochet was eventually arrested in Spain, I believe. Um, yes. But, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know the process of how that how any of that happened or or, or that. Um, can you explain that a, a little bit?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like in the 1980s, eventually uh, opposition protest movement started forming um with a lot of support from like the exile community that had developed in countries with because a ton of people left especially politically persecuted individuals Mm -hmm. and so they like um these protests started that were very like crucial in showing people that there was discontent people many people did not want him there did not want a continued authoritarian um regime Mm -hmm. and then as years passed, he like finally through a lot of different forms of pressure, he agreed to doing um, I don't know what you call it, a pleb like a, plebiscite a referendum,
0: yeah.
1: referendum. Yes. Yep. A um to do a referendum where people would vote for either um he can stay in power for eight more years which would be crazy Um, like that would have because I was born 1994 so I wasn't born during the the dictatorship but if it had passed I would have Um, and or he would he wouldn't and they would call do democratic elections so that referendum implied this very kind of um, this campaign on both sides either yes um, to him staying eight more years or no and there's a very good movie called no um, that shows that campaign, it's great. And and yeah, the referendum took place and the results started being shown. Many people were worried that he, he would simply not um recognize them. But yeah. the way they started being presented, and just like I feel like the general pressure that had built after 17 years okay, forced him to acknowledge it. And then what took place from then was kind of a pacted transition where where the constitution that was made in 1980 was somewhat reformed and mm-hmm. then they agreed to hold democratic elections.
0: Yeah. Um, so there's actually, sorry, there's two parts of that that I'm really curious about. Um, I would have, I would have just been worried that he'd rig it, that he would have rigged the election. Mm-hmm. Was there, did any of that happen or was there any? Um, I or, think there
1: were fears, but there was a very strong movement to like, in every single table where the counting was happening, have someone, have several people kind of making sure that the counting is happening in a truthful way. So I think people took a lot of measures to like make sure the results that would come out were the correct ones. And then, but then there was also, I think some, yeah, some luck that I think how much the pressure had mounted pushed him to recognize the result.
0: And just, um, just really quickly, do you, do you know sort of vaguely what the result was, like in percentage terms?
1: What percentage?
0: Or, or I'm just, not just vaguely, sure. was it like close or was it like overwhelming?
1: I don't think it was overwhelming, but yeah. I'm, there are a lot of people who up to today like are huge supporters. And like it's crazy because in some countries where you have seen similar dictatorships, I feel like it's very like people who were supportive, like don't speak out. As much about their support for such like a ruthless regime but here it's very common to just people call him all like my general so Mm
2: -hmm. and in
1: very open ways so there definitely was a significant amount of people who still were very supportive
0: yeah um and Mm -hmm. but that also leads on to the next point that the the Constitution that you currently have Mm -hmm. um, was made in 1980 obviously it's been amended slightly but is a, is a constitution that was made under the Pinochet dictatorship.
1: Yes. Right. Yes. It was made in 1980 and then like I said during the transition it was somewhat reformed
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and then in there have been reforms like a pretty important one in in 2005 but overall it's still the same which is crazy a constitution that yes was drafted during the dictatorship. And not only does it have this kind of like original sin, like in its origin, that it wasn't created during a democracy, but it just has like a lot of things within it, especially like the requirement of super majorities to change certain organic laws or portions of it that really like keep Chile tied to the status quo that was established uh, during the dictatorship, this neoliberal status quo. So mm. it's something that's questionable in its origin, but also in the fact that it has really made it difficult to move past a uh, like economic and social system that was established during a dictatorship.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so in the transition, um, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, like uh, uh, the reven- it sounds like the remnants of the the Pinochet. Government whenever never weren't really they weren't really it doesn't sound like they were completely tossed out It sounds like mm-hmm. they sort of a lot of them continued on um, Yeah, the, cur- the current conservative and right-wing governments are they Are that do they come out of the Pinochet sort of tradition? Or are they sort of a separate thing that just kind of happens to embody some of some of what Pinochet um, Was uh, what some of what Pinochet's policies were?
1: It so in terms of like support um mm-hmm the current president because you find a lot of people especially in the like right wing parties that voted yes like for Pinochet to stay another 8 years or were supportive of the coup you even mm-hmm. find people be, like the people in center left parties who were supportive of the coup so it's really um, pretty, yeah um wow. which is it's crazy they were just very very scared <laughs> by what Allende could do but but Piñera Pi- Pi- specifically, he voted no um, mm-hmm. on Pinochet's an extra eight years. But that was definitely more of an opposition to his authoritarianism, more than his uh, economic policies. Mm-hmm. And I would say that um, the right in Chile has and is trying to uphold that tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and the left, the establishment left, which is why that slogan of it's not 30 pesos, it's 30 years, kind of shows this disillusionment with what these center-left um, governments that have basically, beyond Piñera, have been the ones that have been in power since the end of the dictatorship. for So for um, 20, not 30 years because of Piñera, but many years, um, mm-hmm. that they really did not do enough to challenge the system. And... Mm-hmm. At first, you were, obviously, because of how packed the transition was, and then just the fear of like a possible authoritarian reversal. It's mm. understandable that they didn't immediately come out like breaking the system. But this gradualism ended up characterizing governments that it was very clear that we're no longer at risk of such a situation.
2: Mm.
1: And this only kind of changed with Michelle Bachelet during her second presidency. So from 2014 to 2018, mm-hmm. um, where she started finally doing the most forceful challenge of the model and she demanded a constitutional reform. It didn't really work, but uh, important educational reform and fiscal reform. So. Mm-hmm. She did the most effort, but along very similar to Piñera, the, the center-left governments definitely did not do enough. They sometimes even deepened certain aspects of the model. Mm-hmm. So, in general, Chile has definitely been experiencing a very long-running crisis of democratic quality, which mm-hmm. showed in a collapse in like formal political participation. Very few people vote. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, voluntary and then also widespread protests like the 2011 Chilean student movement Mm, and protests that have continued until this point where you see kind of this huge huge one and very protracted one develop.
0: So um, when you say just to just to completely clarify like where Mm -hmm. Chile is today and where like the the center left has has basically left Chile, um, privatization of, of you know basic sort of services Health, education, water—where um, so where is all that up to?
1: There have been—I I would say—the most significant reforms took place, yeah, between 2014 and 2018, especially in the in terms of education. Mm-hmm. But then, but most of these most of these areas, although they have been kind of gradually improved, the main the main way they function, like for example, with pensions. They're they're now they were suggesting like impl- in implementing a kind of solidarity pillar that would move beyond mm-hmm. the individual um, the individual contributions everyone does to just sustain their own pension in the future. So mm-hmm. like those like core neoliberal structures within each of these have mostly remained unchanged. Mm-hmm. And I would say that in education, it's there have been the most advances, but but yeah so that's the main issue and that's how it was kind of left when Michelle Bachelet ended her second term mm-hmm. and then Piñera came trying to revert some of the progress she had made but also just um continue assist the like a status quo that has had some improvements but in general has not been able to leave behind this core mm-hmm. um model
0: yeah and um, it also sounds like, you know, so so not only from the government services side, but you're saying minimum wage in in Chile, you said is three hundred thousand pesos,
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: and but but fifty percent of people earn under four hundred thousand pesos. Yes. So that is a that is a very large percentage of the population that's living just above the minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that it, like is that a result of um, I'm I'm am just going to like not that I know much about the history of Pinochet, but I'm going to assume the man wasn't particularly pro union, um, and uh, <laughs> and um like it like it's like so wait, uh, wages wages sound pretty pretty low overall then.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. they yeah they're three hundred thousand now, which I can like start going into what the government yep. has proposed in response to the, yes. to these protests, but um. Mm-hmm. So right now, so yeah, I can, I can, because it'll kind of touch on what the government has tried doing, which has touched minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, so protests start in this very kind of explosive way on Friday and then by Saturday, the next day, um, the government had announced they would um, suspend the fare increase. Mm -hmm. but this was kind of too late if they had done this at the start of the peaceful um fair evasion protests like a few days in, there probably would be no movement but the timing has been very very bad by the government in this case i think positively so because i'm glad this movement is happening Mm -hmm. but yeah then tuesday um october 22nd they presented their social agenda which was kind of their big response to this outpouring of discontent and anger, and hearing it included ra- raising the minimum wage from three hundred thousand to three hundred and fifty thousand um, pesos. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that like, and this would be done through a government subsidy. So basically, the government would subsidize it. So anyone who makes three hundred thousand pesos now would make three hundred and fifty thousand, which would. Make- you, you
0: just you just can't make you just can't make employers uh, employers pay more. Right. You know? Oh, oh, you couldn't possibly challenge the people no. who actually own who actually own things.
1: It's crazy because you could say, okay, for small and medium um, businesses, okay, we'll subsidize it for you. But yet yeah, it's it's really ridiculous that they large corporations they wouldn't demand that they at least um, re- yeah. do that increase themselves. So, and then the other one was increasing like a certain type of pension by twenty percent. But what both of these did was it was kind of like a mild like wealth injection for the most vulnerable and Mm -hmm. it just kind of it showed that the government did not understand that like the middle classes and even like upper classes were like demanding much more structural change like not Mm -hmm. just aiding like the most vulnerable so they can like survive a little better like that's too too little so it that um, announcement of measures basically like, didn't change anything, it kind of, um, it just fueled the protests even more, mm-hmm. and and it also just stayed away from, because the government, before all this happened, it was spearheading two big reforms. Once, one was a tax reform and the other one was a pension reform, mm-hmm. and the pension reform did do some like important changes, it kind of started a solidarity pillar. Um, but it was still pretty mild. And then the tax reform, um, it actually would basically decrease the taxes collected by the wealthiest by $800 million by pushing back uh, Mm -hmm. a reform that the Bachelet government had achieved. So in this like social um, proposal that they presented, they did not refer to those big things they were trying to push through at all. People were expecting at least a Oh, and I won't do that tax reform I was talking about. Um, and then this only recently, in the last like week or so, they started saying they were open to revising these reforms. And then they were—they said they were also open to uh, constitutional change. But it's always like very ambiguous in a moment where people are out in the streets and demanding very concrete commitments to changes.
0: Mm. Yeah, um, and this might be a good time to talk about um, what people so right now what are what are the protesters demanding and um, mm. you know what like like is it you know you sort of mentioned that the the national union of workers um, is organizing uh, large scale strikes what are what's the what's the aim of the strike to achieve is it to try and get the government to resign um, mm. new elections or is it sort of more policy based
1: yeah it's 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 interesting because it is very sometimes it feels very obvious like what they're demanding like it has developed in a very organic way but then but then it's clear there's a lot of demands happening at once. I mm-hmm. think from dry a lot is derived from the fact that it's been um, since the two thousand eleven student movement there have been consistent protests like demanding an end to the current pension system, demanding. Yep more changes to the education system. So I think there is something that is collecting what many massive protests had been demanding before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also derived from like, what people are have on the signs that they carry to the protest. They'll have no mass AFP, so no more of that pension system. So I think a lot is derived from that, but mm-hmm. it is very unclear who is like formulating this. And so what has happened is that these social, Organizations like the Workers Union have been doing consistent meetings and also meeting with the government and like political parties to start mm-hmm. kind of proposing, making concrete proposals along with those cabildos or like open mm-hmm. citizen meetings that I've been talking about that have also been creating these. But it is still unclear exactly if everyone agrees on all these points. But in mm-hmm. general, it really seems like it's. Um, structural changes to the pension system, health, education, and then what has been pretty widespread is this idea of a constitutional reform. Mm -hmm. So, and not reform, a new constitution, not just like tweaking the 1981. And I think the reason why this has come up and is becoming increasingly salient is the fact that through a constitutional reform, you can hit many of the other um, Uh. issues. You can, because what is said about the current constitution is that some basic rights aren't properly enshrined Mm -hmm. in it. So it could hit many of those points and it could also just create a constitutional structure that is much more open to change. The current current one basically would be, it's kind of like a structure that allows any status quo to like stay mostly the same. So having a more adaptable one that and can evolve with the demands of the people as it evo- as they evolve is mm-hmm. very important and they what they want to do it like the main mechanism for changing that is being demanded is a constitutional assembly mm-hmm. which is kind of choosing representatives hopefully in a yeah, in a representative way that would then kind of lead the talks and um, craft a new constitution but yeah. like you mentioned there are also, demands for Piñera's resignation, both of kind of like his general handling, but most of it has to do with the fact that he has allowed such a strong repressive reaction to mostly peaceful protests that have led to many deaths, uh, hundreds of injuries. So that is one side, but I think, I don't think you would see that if you ask the people who are asking for Piñera's resignation, that they see that as the one thing like if that yeah. doesn't happen no you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't see it that way but it's more like it being has shown such an intransigence and just like because yeah. he hasn't really proposed much new in the past few days that it's like unless you do a clear commitment a strong commitment to these changes i think that resignation thing will become even more powerful but i do yeah. think there is a way of him committing to these changes leading a constitutional reform that would be able to like quell and satisfy the movement
0: enough Yeah well I, like I was like th- the fact that you like you mentioned that he hasn't even backed off with tax cuts for the rich like that um that sounds like just awful political handling generally and um and like like um I don't again I I am uh, not a huge um uh, I, I don't know a huge amount about Chilean politics, but are the, is, the biz, is the business elite just that powerful that he feels like if he if he abandons them, um, they're like he's got nothing?
1: I think it is. I think it is really powerful. It has become super empowered by kind of the great economic growth Chile has experienced, but that has been deeply unequal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So just the fact there's like such a small segment of society that makes so much money. I think, yeah, they have been excessively empowered, but then it, I do think it's a lot of mishandling because if you think about it, the Chile, um, Piñera ended up canceling the um, APEC meeting and the COP25, yeah. um, yeah. I think, that was supposed to happen in December. So there's like big sacrifices being made by by the government. So um, and things that are like these there should be a calculation of, okay, if you allow these protests to continue for much longer to possibly become even more violent, wouldn't this be very counterproductive for Chile remaining yeah. like a stable um, economically like interesting country? So I do, so I don't really, I think there is a hope that the protests will like tire down, die down. I think that's the present hope. Mm-hmm. um but it really has been a lot of mishandling very poor timing um very kind of inflammatory and condescending rhetoric by the government like very mm-hmm. early on he said in a in a public speech that was supposed to like calm everyone down he said that his government was at war with yeah, like, the I remember protesters, that. Oh, that was- which is insane and and he also and then when the big massive friday march um protest happened he was he tweeted and he was like oh this is a beautiful protest that's of all of us Chileans so and people were like couldn't believe how like just the <laughs> shift in tone was so so angry no, and,
0: like, then,
1: and it's just they're, been they're
0: so like, loud <laughs> I
1: know <laughs> they were yeah people were saying this is this is um like you shouldn't be responding about the in that way this is against you and then and then yeah just very insufficient reforms that I think people are very angry because they're being like churned out at a very slow pace and it doesn't it's not like he's speaking every day and he's like okay now we're working on this tomorrow we'll let you know days pass and you sometimes feel like he's just like Just not uh, talking at all, so it is very, I think, angering. And what I do think, I believe his like present strategy is grounded on the hope that this will die down and people and he won't have to resort to deep structural change that goes against his conservative ideology. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I don't think that's the case,
0: yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I what it's so it's um, correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, but it sounds like the demands are kind of coalescing around, like, we need a new constitution, um, which, like, at least in, in traditional political science, that would be called a revolution. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like, we, we want to overthrow the current system and bring in a new one. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, like, uh, and I suppose this gets to where you see it going. Do you think that's going to happen? Or, or, or what, what do you see as the most likely result of all this?
1: hmm I, I really hope that's what happens and I'm like at this point in both in the case of Chile and cases like countries like the U.S. I have this kind of like deep hope and I, I don't think I'm being overly optimistic but maybe um, i
0: Bernie, uh, Bernie Sanders tweeted support uh, for the Chilean <laughs> protest the other day. I saw that.
1: Okay yeah yeah Bernie. Um, yep. I saw and but I do have this like With these very, what you would say, like, kind of call very painful um, and challenging developments, like the, like, Brexit vote or Trump being elected, things that are very, like, just show how polarized and how, like, to the extremes that people are being pushed, I do, like, hold this, this, like, optimism that they were necessary of they were kind of necessary to expose how wrong how flawed the systems were in place how people had reached a level of like discontent that you know was kind of suppressed before and like in the case for of the us for example i'm hoping it gives way to bernie being elected elizabeth warren like something that a few years ago would be kind of inconceivable
0: Mm. and
1: in this case in the case of chile um what i'm hoping is that this like this movement does a similar thing only much more in a much more positive way
0: mm.
1: and so I am I do see this as one of those like turning point movements that bring together enough conditions and enough pressure for a substantial change to happen like when I was talking with the, about the end of the Chilean dictatorship mm. about that which what something that probably seemed impossible like Pinochet mm-hmm. calling a referendum and recognizing it it required a lot of work by social groups, a lot of um, a lot of protests, a lot of manifestation of this discontent for such a shift to happen. Mm. And I think what's happening today, because it's been three weeks of very massive protests that are backed by, I think, several polls show over 80% of Chileans, which is crazy. Mm. Um, so. Over 80% of Chileans identify themselves somehow in this, um, in, the, in these protests. That I, something like changing the Chilean constitution, which has been such a sturdy, and seemingly unchangeable thing. I think it requires moments like thi- like this. Mm-hmm. So I I am optimistic that people will remain energized enough, continue to exert pressure, find new protest tactics. And then, and hopefully, I think, I do think that this would be the time for a structural change like that to happen. Mm -hmm. So, so I am optimistic, but then there's, there's many that believe it might happen that the government will remain stubbornly opposed and the movement will kind of become exhausted and Mm -hmm. die out. But I am, I feel a little more optimistic than that. And I see it as like a very important point, thing that kind of defies, this narrative of Chilean exceptionalism, yeah. which is often being like a way to elevate the neoliberal project mm. that emerged here, um, yeah. and it just shows that unequal growth like is very unsustainable, and that countries around the world like no matter how stable they are perceived, for mm. like a few weeks before this happened, our our president described Chile as like. An oasis within a convulsed latin america so like an oasis of stability Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it just shows i think it yeah i think it shows that countries throughout the world that are perceived as stable that are perceived as like having embraced um a very neoliberal um kind of status quo with like gradual changes towards more progressive policies is not actually like sustainable and many of those are at risk of a big explosion like the one we're seeing here but I do see that if like properly guided it can definitely result in structural change that a few months ago like mm. was impossible yeah. in a right
0: take uh, take note uh, Australian Liberal Party and Australian Labor Party um, yeah <laughs> I think yeah I think um, I think that might be a, a good place to, to end on that that very hopeful note um is there is there anything else that you that you sort of think is important that um that we haven't uh, discussed or or that we should um
1: um i do have some thoughts on but that might not end in such a positive note but i think it's good to end in a positive note and then just a reflective note <laughs> um which is kind of how the violence led by protesters of this movement is framed
0: yeah oh, um, yes.
1: Yeah, because it's it's true. This movement has been mostly very um, peaceful, huge peaceful manifestations, but it has had um, smaller but significant groups leading looting, destroying like subway stations. And what I hear a lot from people here that are like supportive of the movement is general in general saying, oh, yeah, this movement is great. And the peaceful protests are great. But Mm -hmm. this more violent faction of it just like we need to completely renounce, Mm -hmm. renounce it. And it's just like, at times I feel like that is kind of an empty statement because I'm not saying we, that should support the violence but this movement cannot be disentangled from its more violent aspects. Like it is very unclear um, how far it would have gotten if it was purely peaceful protest. There were many of those for all these years. Mm so it is hard that's what how, what i'm currently grappling with is how to like elevate the peaceful part of this pro, of this movement kind of denounce the violence but also understand that that has been part of the movement and it has been part of the pressure it's been able to exert mm-hmm. and then also kind of framing the violence in a more in a more macro way where it's comparing the violence that has happened in in these very specific instances and the um, Mm. harm it has caused and, like, costs it has caused versus the violence of many of the policies that had been kind of reigning over the society. Like, there are many um, great, like, posters I've seen saying violence is um, someone not being able to survive on, like, a miserable pension. Violence is people having to... Dying in the wait in waiting rooms because the healthcare system is so. I think it's not about. I think it's about denouncing all these forms of violence. So if you're going to denounce yeah. the violence that has accompanied this these protests, you have to put it in perspective with the violence that has been kind of like um, set on this society for for decades, and that mm-hmm. and also the violence that has come from police repression. So I think the denouncement of mm-hmm. violence has to be cover all those points and then also understand that it's difficult to disentangle the good and the bad parts of a movement and you have to kind of analyze it and evaluate it as a whole and we wouldn't be able to say oh it's just about the peaceful so but yeah but i'm not sure what exactly to do with a question of violent tactics
0: well um you you've been you've been out i've seen uh protesting protesting peacefully um, mm-hmm. you know and um i've uh, and there's a great there's a great video that I saw on your instagram that I might get you to send me uh, so mm-hmm. that we can, it, we can accompany it with um with uh, with this episode um of um uh, Allende's speech and some of the um and some of the mm-hmm. uh, the um the protests mm-hmm. um yeah but um it sounds like it you know it you know it, it sounds like things, uh, potentially heading in a, a very positive direction um, mm-hmm. overall um, yeah yeah mm-hmm. I uh, you know solidarity with uh, with all those protesting in Chile uh, in, mm-hmm. in, uh, it's, uh, it sounds like it's still countrywide um,
1: yes definitely yeah. countrywide and definitely the peace one kind of discussion aspects of it I think are gaining a lot of momentum so that's very positive
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. and uh, let's Uh, let's hope for a new constitution
1: yes i hope so that would be great yeah oh
0: well well we might uh we might um end there uh sofia rivera political (coughs) scientist and protester uh thank you so much for speaking to me and uh and and, uh hopefully talk again yes
1: thank you
3: nos de, de nuevo, abrirán la grande salanera por donde va los ser un para construir una que mejor. ¡Viva Chino, ¡Viva el pueblo! vivan los trabajadores!